to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface in our lives is a degree to which we will experience freedom in Him. It's easy to be growing in Bible knowledge and learning things about God, but not necessarily growing into becoming a more loving, humble, approachable, and teachable person. Back to the Cliff Temple podcast. I'm Gannon Sims. I'm joined uh, by Trevor Jamison and Carrie Sims, and we're recapping the latest um, teaching on the book "Emotionally Healthy Spirituality" by Pete Scazzaro. And the the hope for this podcast is that you can uh, stay up with the tools and training we offer at Cliff Temple every day of the week as we seek to build everyday people into everyday missionaries of Jesus Christ. So the the chapter that we're going through uh, tonight is this chapter about going back to go forward. Going back to go forward. And I'm just curious, Carrie, Trevor, what, what does that make you think about? What have you learned uh, from the book? Yeah, well, for me, it's kind of a, just a continuation in the conversation we've been having. Like last week, we talked specifically about know yourself so that you can know God. And so this going back to go forward is really about reflecting on how we grew up, our family life, family experiences that we had uh, with our parents or with caretakers, just how how we were formed from a young age. And so um, it's very much uh, in the same line of uh, developing self-understanding and self-awareness, self-knowledge, um, as we as we look back, uh, because our families, um, is, it, you know, it's not our identity. <laughs> it's not, it's not only, it's not all of who we are, but it has shaped us in really important ways. It's interesting, um, Carrie, to think about uh, for myself, I don't think of myself as particularly coming from like a bad family situation. So it's easy for me to look at my past and think, eh, you know, this is for people who go through divorce, you know, their parents went through divorces or they went through divorces or whatever else. Someone was estranged from the family. But as I started to do this the first time and really reflect on what has happened in my past and in my family's past, I started to realize that, you know what? Even little things like successful people work hard started to plague my parents and me in just very negative ways. So very um, things that seemed like very subtle, very, um, you know, nonchalant really can infect a family in ways that uh, if we're not careful and we're not attentive to can go through generations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and yeah, well-meaning, you know, this is all well-meaning thing. A lot of times it's very well-meaning, right? Like parents, you know, you can see both sides of this situation where some parents would say, you know, suck it up. You're going to school unless you're deathly ill because you got to learn how to, you know, be okay when you don't feel okay. And then other sides of that, another family might, you know, if the kid acts sick or whatever, might just say, oh, of course, stay home, take all the time you need. And so both of those kids get different messages that um, that can cripple them in some ways for, for different reasons. So, yeah, none of none of this is, you know, well, not none of it. I mean, there is there is abuse that happens, but um, a lot of what we're talking about is not malicious. It's just thing. It's just 
the ways that our parents watched their parents live and those parents watched their those parents live that we just we pick things up along the way and and unconsciously involuntarily we start responding to situations just like um just like they did whether we mean to or not and so Carrie, you kind of led us through a conversation on how to go back to go forward and so i'm just kind of curious what what you learned and how that process has kind of shaped you shaped your understanding of your own family but also of of jesus's uh, teaching basically that you know whoever does the will of god is our mother our sister our brother so it's 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 we we have this beauty in our own family but in the new family of god that is uh, a distinctive of the church we we get to live in a different way so can you kind of walk us through kind of family of origin to new family of God. Sure. Well, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that lately, um, just with this major transition that we've been in. Um, kind of, you know, you have your family of origin, and then, you know, for Gannon and I, we created family in our Fredericksburg context before moving to Dallas, where we've been adopted or crafted in to a family. And so I have been thinking a lot about about that and about the differences and the, the nuances and, and kind of how each one feels and, and how they're, how they're different. So for family of origin, I mean, we don't, we don't choose our family of origin, right? I mean, we, we get born and then those are our (laughs) parents, caretakers, you know, some of us are, I mean, we know it is not exactly like that all the time. There, um, there is adoption that happens and all sorts of things, but you know, we, we can't change how we come into this world. Um, but, and as we, as we learned as we look at Scripture, none of the families that we see recorded in Scripture, none of their, um, none of their lives are, are, are far from perfect. I mean, I think I would say that, I mean, they're, they're devastating. So there's murder, there's cutoff, there's jealousy, there's adultery, there's, there's, there's so many things that, that we can look at our lives and say, wow, we're not that bad if we're just struggling with these little things. But the point is that um, what, it, what it is to be in family is to have, um, is to have brokenness. We're imperfect. Um, there's sin in the world. We are predisposed for certain things. But, um, but we do have hope in that we, um, when we confess Jesus, we, we, we say we are sons and daughters of the living God, that we have been accepted into God's family. And so then we have new eyes and new ways to see and, um, and new um, pathways for transformation and for reconciliation and for healing, really, um, that we, we can choose to see the world not to be defined by our family of origin, but, but be to, to be more defined as sons and daughters of God. Do you think, Carrie, that this also, though, a uh, affects your family of origin. Um, I'm curious to hear how like this kind of plays out in, in maybe your family or things you've witnessed that, um, you know, we, when we are accepted by Jesus into this new family of faith, I think that can heal a lot of things for some of us who maybe didn't grow up with a father, right? We can receive father figures from around us in the church. Um, but what about like some of the pain that is in our family? How does like, what, I hate to put it crassly, but how does Jesus fix that, mm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's a great question. I think, 
I think um, the way I would answer that is, you know, Jesus is dressing each of our each of our individual hearts and and um, questions we have or wounds that we carry, and it's through our relationship with Him that we can find the healing, the transformation, to respond differently to our family, yeah, or to anybody really, just to anybody who might trigger something. That um, that feels that feels like a wound. That feels like a, a sensitive spot. So I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but um. no, I do. I think um, there's some truth there, and I even heard you say once that um, it's about creating that. And we talked about this another week um, of differentiation, right? To be able to say there's a separation there, so that we can find this sort of emotional maturity within us. To say, I can't maybe fix my parents, mm-hmm. for instance. My parents are great, for the record, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> love you. Right? But Same. just as an example, right? Yes, right. I can't fix my parents, um, but I can learn um, to become mature in Christ, so to say, that that's okay. right? Mm-hmm. I can trust them into God, God's hands mm-hmm. and use the tools that Christ has given me mm-hmm. to love and show compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, because as the scriptures say, right, we can love because he first loved us. Sure. Right? That's kind of what I'm hearing that. Yeah, well, and one of the um, one of the people at our table even shared in, in just kind of the conversation we're having around the table with the questions that she had, you know, made, taken a step toward differentiation even recently, just was able to, to you know, to say to somebody who, maybe is kind of an unhealthy relationship to say, you know what, I love you, but I need to, but I also need to leave now. And that was, and that was okay. And, and, and she saw that she's able to do that and still love well. The differentiation is an art form. It's about um, being a distinct person while remaining close uh, to our families, to our parents, to our brothers and sisters. And, and but then, and, and again, like you said, Trevor, trusting them, putting them into God's hands, um, not completely cutting off, but remaining close, but but just making the uh, determination that we're we're going to live differently. We're going to live under a new rubric, uh, a, a, a a biblically formed, theologically shaped kind of rubric. I wonder if you two can help. Um, kind of a question that was looming in my mind as we're talking about this. How do we know the difference between when we're supposed to continue to hang on to family or confront family issues head on and when to let them go? I really, that, that's a, it's a case by case kind of thing. I mean, if there's abuse going on, if there's um, real, real hardship, there probably needs to be a time of kind of um, stepping away, um, but to the degree that uh, we can we can stay close and we can stay in and we can live in forgiveness. I mean, I think this is a, a big thing that a lot of us live in uh, bitterness in families. That kind of attitude is passed down, and that trait can be passed down. But how do we uh, live f- forgiven and forgiving of others? Yeah, I mean, certainly there are situations that are dangerous for people where, you know, 
appropriate boundaries or things need to be, measures need to be in place, safety measures. Um, but more, I think, what we're talking about is um, people just kind of looking, not only going back to go forward, but also looking inside in order to go, like taking assessment of what role they played, even unknowingly in this disagreement or this unhealthy pattern or, um, yeah, just be, becoming reflective. And then um, also in our walk with Jesus and our relationship and our sanctification, our process of sanctification and becoming more like him, um, just being able to trust him with things we don't understand and um, and just let go of, of some of the heart we carry. Terry, you um, talked about, um, you're going to have to help me, a genealogy, genoscope, what's it called here? Gen- geneogram, I think. Geneogram. No, genogram. Genogram. No, it's not the Enneagram. It's not the genoscope, but it's the genogram. The genogram, yeah. perfect. Yes, okay. Can you walk us through this tool? And Because um, I think a lot of us who were at your session heard this, but I wonder if you could take us a little more in depth to like, how do you graph this? What is it? Mm-hmm. Kind of how do you decide? <laughs> Do I have to figure out who all the alcoholics are in my family? Like, kind of, how, do, how does this work? Uh, I'm really curious. Yeah, a genogram is effectively like a family map where you kind of start as, as far as you can go back, maybe just like a couple generations with, you know, let's say um, a, a, a great-grandfather and a great-grandmother. And then you, you just kind of draw out their offspring and then the offspring that those offspring had and just kind of track it all the way down. And once you have, you know, most of the people on this map, then you're able to just start making observations about, huh, it's interesting because I can see how, you know, this family got divorced and then, you know, way back four generations ago, and actually there's been divorce in every family. So we actually have, we know someone from back home who, his he, he is the first um, young family, young family that, and you know, they're just unmarried, but they've got this weight of every family for four generations in their family line has been divorced and they're aware of it. So they're, you know, they're holding it before God and carrying it and trusting. But, but there, so I think what all that to say that the help of a genogram is to be able to kind of step back and observe the patterns that may be affecting our lives, even things that we've become sort of asleep to. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, you know, divorce is obvious, but then, you know, tension, you know, tension oh, between yeah, sure. parents or siblings or in marriage passed down, uh, abuse passed down, uh, murder in a line, or, or the, the family that we don't talk about because you know what happened then. But, you know, and it's just kind of how do you get things out into the light because we gain freedom in the light, uh, not not being hidden. Uh, there's there's nothing really good that comes up from from hiding. So that's the that's the hope of this is just to kind of create a little map, look at the families, learn a little bit about your history, and 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 then bring it uh, to the Lord for. I mean, you know, we we've done sort of. Uh, worship services where you do we can do generational healing we you know praying through families you know old testament talks about unto the you know 
third or fourth generation, you know, but usually these sins don't don't get passed down, hopefully beyond four. Um, but we see situations in our own country, in our whole national life, you know, where say, the, the pain of slavery has been passed down. Um, and how do we break those things off? How do we um, get healed from those situations? So Yeah, I appreciate what you say about just being able to name it and be concrete about, okay, this is a pattern. Because it only takes one person in one generation yeah. to stand up and say, okay, no more. Like, I... You know, with Jesus, through Jesus, through the power of His cross and resurrection, I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm not. It, it stops here. Like I, I want to do whatever I need to to differentiate from this situation, from this pattern, to protect my family and future generations from having the same effect. I like how um, when we look at Scripture, we were reflecting on the story of Joseph. Um, we see a family, as you said, <laughs> scripture families are probably worse than a lot of us, let's be honest. Um, but we see a family who lying and manipulation has just been passed on for generations. And um, I, one thing that we didn't touch on, but I think is interesting about Joseph's story, is that he starts on a trajectory of pride. And manipulating God when God, he receives this vision from God that he's going to be great his brothers will bow down rather than doing the mature thing he goes straight to his brothers and says guess what guys I'm going to be the boss right <laughs> um, don't recommend that I don't think the scriptures do either but um, it there seems to be this sort of path that God takes him on to maturity because what I remember reading um, by the end in Genesis 50, um, Joseph basically points and says, God said, I have to forgive you. Right? Like, this, is, this is solved here. I've worked th through this with God. Um, and then he puts it back on his brothers. You guys have to figure out how to accept that forgiveness. Right? Um, and for me, I see these two deep stories that we have to figure out whether we're a Joseph and we have to do the act of forgiving or whether um, we're the ones who have done wrong and need to be able to accept that forgiveness. Because to me, Judah and all his brothers, they could not have grown to be the people of God without accepting that forgiveness and making a part of their story. Um, because it it, and I, I think the story of Israel continues of learning how to accept this love from God to become mature people. Yeah. It's a really important point because that's that's oftentimes more difficult to receive the forgiveness of to, to acknowledge and receive the forgiveness and, and really let you forgive yourself for what you did is often the hardest the hardest thing you could do. I think in the act of forgiveness, often it's. Um, and it's a little bit risky, but it's sometimes in families it's the younger ones that ask forgiveness of the older ones uh, or give forgiveness. And then uh, sometimes what has to happen is it often get the question uh, doing this kind of work is, well, what happens when the person that I need to forgive or receive forgiveness from is no longer alive? And so in that, you simply to God, you pray and say, I forgive this person. Um, and I... I know that somehow in your mercy you'll hear those prayers and, and I can be forgiven for, for the wrong that I've done. And so um, as best we can, you know, the, the framework in, in the Christian life is, is 
uh, giving those things over. Um, and I do emphasize giving because uh, um, it is an act of giving so that we can then receive. Um, I mean, in, in Christian circles, often we, we talk about taking. Um, Jesus, take. Oh, no, I give this to you, Jesus, and then I receive um, our forgiveness back. So to kind of recap, if I'm uh, hearing things clearly, it, I kind of see a parallel here between last week when we talk about emotions and true self and this week when we talk about looking, going back to go forward. There's both this sort of act of digging into things that we as Christians, I don't know, they're not often preached, at least in my growing up experience of, you know, God has something to do with generations of your family. God has something to do with the emotions that you feel day to day. And if you don't deal with all those, either of those things, it becomes almost impossible to grow um, into an emotionally and spiritually mature adult. Right? Um, and so I wonder, Carrie, if you could kind of conclude just by, I don't know, maybe a couple of encouragements and maybe just a prayer for us as we kind of discern, like, what sort of narratives am I telling myself from my family's history? What kind of problems are ongoing in my family? Yeah, mm -hmm. if you could do that for us. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, well, let me just, let's just, be okay if I just close this in prayer? Yeah. Well, Lord, you know all things. You created us in our mother's womb. And there's nowhere we can hide from you, not the heights or the depths. So I pray, God, that we would take seriously this work of knowing ourselves so we can know you more, of going back so that we can go forward. And so I pray, Lord, for all of us that you would give us eyes to see what you see, that you would allow us to kind of shine a light on, on the inside to see where we've fallen short, but also, and to be quick, to repent, to ask for forgiveness, to, to acknowledge. And also that, that we would be able to be honest with ourselves about um, how we might have inherited some patterns or ways of thinking that, that are not serving us well, that there are actually lies that we've believed that have kept us in bondage and of seeing ourselves and seeing God and seeing others um, with clouded vision, not as you see. And so I pray, God, for us, all of us listening, that you would give us eyes to see what you see and to be quick to reflect and become curious about why we believe what we believe, why we respond, how we respond to things. So I thank you, God, for this tool, the genogram. I thank you for a community to process with. I pray that you will just continue to shine your marvelous light and lead us deeper into your truth. We pray in Christ's name.